Today's the birthday of the priesthood, as St. John Paul II I'd like to refer to it, the day when it was, it was born. He has a letter that he wrote to priests on Holy Thursday in 1986, the year I was born. Uh, that's why I kind of wanted to read it, just because of that. But uh, it helped me remember it as well. But uh, he, he writes to priests, giving them the example of St. John Marie Vianney, the cure of ours. So it's basically just a whole letter on, on his example and his life. And it's, it's very worth reading. And it's, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Of course, he takes out the, the phrase of the cure of ours, that the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus, the sacred heart of Jesus. I honestly, the whole priesthood thing for me always had somewhat of fear around it, especially in the beginning when I first heard the the call. Um, it did come at a time in my life when my idea of the priesthood was what it was, which was absolutely terrible. Um, sad. It was just from what my experience was. And it wasn't my experience of all priests, but just basically going to Sunday Mass and being bored out of my mind and then associating the priest with boredom. And then all of a sudden, God wanted me to be a priest. So he was basically condemning me to a life of boredom. And as like in my head, I had the priest's highlight was his Monday off when he played golf and I personally couldn't stand golf. So it was for me just uh, a crisis moment because of the, the, the fear that I was feeling I ran away for at least three years, trying to suffocate it and bury it. And until I, thanks be to God, I was given the grace, so many different opportunities, which kind of looking back now, I don't, I don't know why I got so many opportunities because I kind of see in the lives of other young people, I mean, you wouldn't be able to say it to them, but you can see that, that the ship's passed and the opportunity's gone and it's not gonna come back and they've missed it. It's so easy to miss the opportunity or the call because sometimes it's so subtle and the fear is so great that that combination just eliminates it, terminates it, and it's gone. Thanks be to God, it, that didn't happen. And through spiritual direction and a little oomph on my part, it wasn't even that much. I was able to give the Lord what I, looking back now, call like my fine. I wouldn't have wasn't even generous enough to give him a full yes. It was just a fine, saying like, fine, like forget whatever I wanted to do. I guess I'll do this. And that's all he needed. That was the excuse he needed to, to really break down all barriers and come into my life. And then the fear around the priesthood turned into a fear of, of never being able to be ordained. Because when I, I joined the brothers, I had an interview with Father Felix and Father Raphael, which was extremely awkward. Um, where Father Felix was translating um, the best he could my story to Father Raphael. So I had to get this this long pause of just awkwardness, hearing myself say my story, then hearing Father Felix say it, not understand it, but knowing what he was saying, and then seeing Father Raphael wait, and then wait, <laughs> and then him responding to Father Felix, and then Father Felix responding to me, it was all excruciating because at that point I had I had um, I had been with the brothers for two months but I I wasn't a candor or anything but I was 100% decided that this was like definitely going to be for me and I was I was on the moon 
but now it was kind of hitting me that maybe like that it wasn't going to happen because they were going to find stuff out about me that was going to make me uh, probably not legitimate or like worthy for the priesthood. Thanks be to God, the conversation that went on and uh, thanks be to God, Father Raphael asked me that day, we were on the bus and we were headed towards St. Peter's if I wanted to enter as a candidate. And uh, of course I said yes. And uh, that was 11 years ago. And I always have to tie in with the testimony that for 11 years I've had a peace that hasn't left me. It's not attached to my emotions and it's not attached to like whether I have a good day or a bad day. It's something very deep that I had always wanted and never experienced in anything that I was looking for. No drugs, no no wild experiences, nothing that, that I could try to to unpackage and try to find this this piece. Give it to me. And it hasn't left me, thanks be to God. And the fear now, I say, around the priesthood is just I'm being faithful and and seeing seeing Jesus Christ face to face and seeing how good and patient he is. And then, then fearing having to have to slap him in the face or having to have to betray him or, or be unfaithful to him. But the fear, obviously, is is a different one. And when I come across young guys that are terrified of the priesthood, I obviously think of myself where I was, and I understand them. And what breaks me is is when they get so close and then they just can't do it for... For so many reasons, for so many reasons, there's there's a thousand and one reasons that usually come up. It can be family, it can be little mental blocks, or or like your maybe point of view that you're not really meeting eye to eye with the point of view of of the life that you're going to have to live. The littlest things, but they are almost infinite. And the one big problem is is that they're not looking where they're supposed to be looking. If you really look at the Lord in his face, face to face, and you have that moment of prayer and intimacy, and if you you have the grace to hear him call you by name and ask you with his courtesy that he has, which is so humbling to see how courteous our Lord is before his own creature. He created us. He gave us everything, and he's, he's courteous with us. It should be, I mean, there should be justice, you'd think. Like, we should be... You know, we should be obliged, you'd almost think, like everything has been given to us, and all of a sudden he's appearing to us with this courtesy and this politeness and almost, you know, kind of like afraid to just, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to scare us away. And then how how rude we can be, how how disrespectful, how selfish we can be in front of a God who makes himself so kind. And we don't end up looking at him in the face, and the vocation becomes... A burden, something that I have to do, or something that maybe like, oh man, all the stuff I have to give up, and all of a sudden, he's taking everything away from me, and I guess I'll do it. And it's sad to see him walk away. It really is, and and they end up being sad. At the end of the day, they end up losing because they heard the voice, they had the opportunity, and they literally threw away uh, the winning ticket. They threw away the most privileged calling that a human being can receive in this lifetime, which is the priesthood, and the most important. As Padre Pio said, the world can survive. There's more of a chance of the world surviving without the Son than the world surviving without the Eucharist, and the Eucharist is the priest. There's no separating the Eucharist from the priest or the priest from the Eucharist, and that's why the priesthood is the love of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, 
because the intimacy that he has with our Lord is only found within the priest and our Lord. It's a mystery of him choosing and wanting for some reason that's beyond us, just leaves us with the confusion. And he sees something and he wants that intimacy. He wants that friendship that's not going to be had with anybody else. And you experience it. You experience it in the Mass. I remember the first time I, I read the words of the consecration and actually got really emotional was was on my retreat preparing for the the for my ordination. It was um, I was at the Carmelite monastery in, in Salamanca, La Cabrera, and I remember I had the miss on I was just kinda of going through the mass. It was basically I was supposed to be practicing it. And then I got to those parts and I got uh I got really emotional and just and I couldn't believe it. It all hit me in that moment, I think. That was the moment when it really hit me, just saying those words. And it was, uh, it hit me the grace that it was actually that moment where I was going to be Jesus Christ. St. Josemaria Scriba says, is the Ipse Christus. You are Jesus in that moment. And then all of a sudden it all hit me. And it all came back, like all my, my thoughts of what the priesthood was before, what I was going to be receiving then. And uh, that was my breakdown moment. So like that was probably the most emotion I got saying the words. And I have to admit that ever since and every time I do celebrate the Mass and say the words, they, they hit me in the, not the same way as to bring tears, but they have an impact on me. And that's the moment where you feel, you really hits home to that the, the the priesthood is the love of the heart of Christ because you feel a lot of times you actually you you actually feel the the weight of the whole the whole mystery in your hands. It makes you think of the old priesthood in the Old Testament how the high priest would have to have a rope tied to his ankle when he went into the holy of holies just in case he died. That was the idea they had. It was so beyond them, the holiness of God. It was, it was what we should see it as ourselves, the holy of holies. The holy of holies. This is, you're going into the presence of God where God is, and you're going to say, you're going to pronounce the unpronounceable. You're going to say his name that only the high priest can say in the holy of holies at that time of the year. And so they, they had this, this understanding of it, they tied a rope to him because they said he could die. Like this is so tremendous, and he's before like such a great mystery. It wouldn't put it past us. It wouldn't surprise us if he died in that moment. Like our Lord said to Moses, "If you saw my face, you would die. You can't see me face to face and live." So they'd have to have they'd have to pull him out just in case. And this this is what's happening here. And imagine because he says you can't see my face and live. And imagine where that's gone where we become we become Jesus and the transformation of the bread into his full presence in your hands and we still live and it's as father felix usually tells us to the priests he says not to let don't don't let it get to the point where the mystery stops burning your fingers he says it in the way that that the mystery needs to, it has to always burn your fingers when you're when you're dealing with it. That you always have to make the effort to become conscious of what is going on, where you're standing, what you're saying, and what's what's happening in that moment. 
and you ask for the grace to enter and more into it, and he gives it to you. I think personally, and as far as the Servant Brothers vocation goes, our Thursday nights for me have been the the key to 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 experiencing that the priesthood is the love of the heart of Christ. When you're in the middle of the night and everybody's asleep and it's just you and, and our and our Lord, it's the for me it's it's what what gives me that that push and it fills me with with that experience of his love. Because it's the love of the heart of Jesus Christ. So it's, you can see it as the, the priest falling in love with his heart, but you can also see it as the sacred heart of Jesus falling in love with his priest, his intimate friend, his, his best friend. We're his best friends. And the, the excuses he looks for to spend time with us, the desire he has that we would think of little moments to surprise him maybe in the tabernacle, to visit him, it's the responsibilities even more, but it's not just a responsibility, it's something I have to do, but it's almost like to keep the fire alive and to keep the relationship going. The Kirivars also wasn't all just, I mean, his his life of penance, as, as St. John Paul II said, would scare us nowadays, it would terrify people. You actually, in his house in ours, you can still see the blood on the ceiling from his disciplines. I asked our tour guide if that really was still his blood or if they just kind of put it up there to kind of make a little bit of a show, but he said that's still there. That's that's from him when he would um, whip himself literally to make up for what's lacking in the passion of Christ and for his parish, which he was madly in love with his parish. Not in love with the people, but with their souls, obviously, so they would get to heaven. And the... What he would, the disciplines he put on himself, like I said, like if you went out there and spoke about that, people would just, they would freak out. They honestly would freak out. And you have to understand it. But um, his fasting, his lack of sleep, and how ours started off with just 60 houses, 60 families, and ended up with thousands and thousands of people visiting. He would be 12 to 18 hours a day confessing. And sometimes when he would see people go in and out of the confessional, they would ask him why he's crying, and he would respond, because you're not. He'd say, um, I cry because you don't. And the sensibility he had for such a good God, and such a such a tender God, sense, sensitive God, that kneels down to wash our feet, he becomes our slave almost, and, and he's obedient to our voice when we, we quote-unquote, command him to come down and to onto the altar and it's all it's all the mystery it's all a mystery of the tenderness of our god his compassion but it has to fill us with a spirit of thanksgiving for the priesthood for the calling a desire to speak more about it and to fill the youth with a real idea of what it actually is and to take all false ideas Benedict XVI said, when the scandals were going on, he said, the name of the priest has just in one fell swoop been put on the floor, and there's no more respect or authority because of what just happened. He said it so clearly that the name of the priest has been all of a sudden put under suspicion, and everybody looks at him as a creep or maybe like there's something going on, which is obviously the work of the evil one, because if you strike the shepherd, you can scatter the flock. But it's our job and it's our duty to, to, to deal with these mysteries in such a way that young people actually see what they are and that it is the most privileged and it's the most highest calling that, that one can receive. 
that we are the Eucharist, and the Eucharist is the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So in a way, we are in the middle of the biggest mystery of love and of of passion that that exists. And in heaven, as the same Kiribar says, it's eternity won't be enough to to comprehend what happened to us. And it's just going to be growing and growing and growing. The priest in heaven is going to be something else because the seal on his soul is going to be there for all eternity. And what that looks like in heaven, we don't know, but we can imagine. And Benedict XVI also said that our Blessed Mother on the day of ordination, her relationship changes with, with the priest. It always was there as a mom, and it was always there as, as a mom who's madly in love with her son. But after the ordination takes place, it changes because she, she sees, obviously, more of Jesus in you. So your relationship with our Blessed Mother just went up to a different level. And you also feel it in your priesthood. You also feel it at times that she's present in the Mass, she's present in confession, she's present in moments where you most want her present. Scary moments, because the priesthood also brings scary moments, because you know you're in the heart of, of darkness and evil. You're in the, on the front lines as, as Christ's instrument, as his voice, and as his presence. And obviously the devil doesn't like that. But she's there when you most want her, and she always comes through. She never, she never lets up. And it has to fill us also with a love for one another. That's um, the third element of today's liturgy: is the priest of the Eucharist and our love for one another. Seeing the poor, when when I mean, our Lord said, "When you clothed the naked, you fed the hungry, and you sheltered." the ones who had no shelter. And then the guy's like, well, when did I do that? And he says, when you did it to the least of them, we're going to have the same questions. Like, when did we do that? And he said, you were doing it when you didn't even know it because you were thinking that you were going to be looking for poor people like Mother Teresa, but the poor person was living with you the whole time. Like, obviously, the poor people that he's referring to are the people that are that are with us in our community, in our family. Um, like Father Renee said this morning, your first call to evangelization right now in this crisis is to evangelize the ones that you have right next to you. And that could mean biting your tongue, going the extra mile, doing doing the dishes, or like what those little things. Those are the poor people that we have right now with us. And and the the measure that we treat them, we see Jesus Christ in them, is the measure we will also see Jesus Christ in the Eucharist because we can't see him. We see him with the eyes of faith, just like we can't see him in our brother, and we have to see him with the eyes of faith. But in the measure that we're searching for Jesus Christ in our brother is also the measure that he's going to start revealing himself more in the Eucharist. Because we can't love Jesus in the Eucharist, whom we can't see, if we can't love our brother, whom we can see. It can't happen. It can't. And so he also said it to us. He says, if you know your brother has something against you, Deal with it before you come to the altar, before you receive me in the Eucharist, before you adore me in the Eucharist. You need to take care of that first because there's going to be a block there. There's, it's not going to flow. There's going to be something that's not right. And we all know it in our hearts when something's not right in the family, when something's not right in with the brothers, something's not right with our Lord. And you can't force it. You can't put on this, like, you know, face and just start, you know, like saying nice things to our Lord. It's not going to work. He wants you to. Go back, resolve what you need to resolve, and then come back to him. So we have to pray for priests. We have to pray for their fidelity. Someone said for every priest standing, there's 
at least 10 Carmelites kneeling. It can be Carmelites and it can be any type of sister. Um, so it's an indirect for the sisters to keep praying. But the for every priest standing, there are there are a lot praying because it's just that's the way it goes. But we have to pray for the priests who find themselves basically useless. They've lost faith in the sacraments. So if a priest loses faith in the sacraments, he basically just becomes very sorry, but one of the biggest losers that you could ever become because you have the highest calling, the highest vocation, and you just became... It's better not to say it because I am being recorded. But the, the fact of the matter is is that that's, that's a massive frustration. And with that frustration, it's going to become, there's, there's going to come massive sterility. And the vocation of what is fruit and what is life will turn into a vocation of death and sterility. And wherever you go, you're, that's what you're going to be bringing because that's what you're going to be offering. Because you're not going to the source of life and you're not going to the source of fruitfulness, which is the vine. You've detached yourself from the vine. So we pray for priests to return. First of all, the confession, that they make a good confession. Priests have to confess, obviously. They confess others, but they have to go to confession themselves. They have to be the first ones to be confessing so that they can receive mercy and then be instruments to give it. And then the Eucharist. We need to pray that priests fall in love again with the Eucharist because that's gonna that's the heart of their ministry, that's the heart of their existence. Like I said, the priest and the Eucharist are united, and you can't have one without the other. And we pray for vocations as well for all young men who are terrified. Um, they're absolutely terrified. They could be good guys as well, and they could be doing everything right, but they're not doing the one thing they're supposed to be doing because of fear. Fear to leave their family, fear to give up whatever they don't want to give up, fear to, 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 to submit. There's so many fears there. And that also will breed frustration and sterility. God's merciful, so you will have a second chance, but your second chance is nothing in comparison to what he's offering you right now in this, in this first vocation, which is to the priesthood. So we pray that they have courage to answer the call and become the instrument of God's grace, become the face of Jesus Christ for people who are thirsting for it and who are dying without it. So may our Blessed Mother give us this grace today on Holy Thursday. A, a grateful heart as well. Give us the grace to have a grateful heart, always thanking the Lord for everything He's done. He's so good. He's too good to us. And we, we're so blind to see how many good things He does to us on a daily basis. That we have a thankful heart and that we prepare ourselves to receive Him in this Eucharist. And we pray for all those who would do anything to receive him, but they can't on this Holy Thursday, that the absence of our Lord in the sacrament in their lives may increase their thirst for him and increase the resolution to extend their periods of thanksgiving the next time they're able to receive him. Amen.